To save our mother Earth from any alien attack From vicious giant insects who have once again come back We'll unleash all our forces, we won't cut them any slack The EDFD boys Our soldiers are prepared for any alien threats The Navy launches ships the Air Force sends their jets, and nothing can withstand our fixed bayonets. The ED. Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Fort Podcast, episode 225. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games, and unfortunately, money I have spent. So, <laughs> we talked a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago about um uh me potentially doing like a 4k setup or some kind of like not really 4k 4k setup per se because i'm not gonna be capturing 4k but utilizing 4k to hopefully get uh better video quality in in, in general uh so the the kind of the missing piece though in in that setup though was uh getting a retro tink 5x which at the time was not available for purchase um so i did finally get the chance to go ahead and try to buy it i thought i missed it because you know with how things have been recently my assumption is that anything that is like a physical piece of hardware, especially in the retro game space, it'll immediately be bought up in like a second. Um, so I actually had like a notification from them. They're like, hey, we're selling it at 9 p.m. Pacific time on Friday. And I was like, cool. I set an alarm, but I was busy playing something else, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And I forgot about it and checked in like an hour and a half later. And thankfully they still were taking orders. So I went ahead and took an order. So I got myself a retro Tink 5X. Um, there's, there's kind of a benefit of this in the short term until I figure out the 4K setup and everything. Um, where the RetroTink, as far as I'm aware, does not have the issue with the resolution swapping. So right now I use a FrameMeister. So when you have like a game that switches between different resolutions or has to reset that resolution for whatever reason, um, it, it doesn't know how to handle it well. It basically has to redo like a handshake to say, okay, am I displaying this properly? And during that time, I'll show you a black screen. So um, if you go and watch like the Ojo Sama Sosomu uh, uh, playthrough that we did, speaking of a game I, I recently was, was looking at, um, if you go and look at that uh, playthrough, you'll notice that sometimes between certain sequences, there'll be long periods of a black screen that no- aren't necessarily there when playing the game, and then the game will suddenly like flash back on. Usually, there's like a little like electric kind of noise that comes when it pops up really fast, like kind of thing. Um, so, so that will be gone, which will be nice. That's good for recording stuff, especially since I'm playing a lot of games that don't necessarily have a lot of gameplay out there. So it's nice to capture as much as possible. I can see the actual PCFX startup screen probably <laughs> rather than before where it never like handshake, uh, in a way that I could. Um, so, so that's kind of good. Um, so I went ahead and picked that up and then I did go ahead and buy the 4K capture card. Now, here's the thing with the 4K capture card. I'm not sure yet. I bought the Live Gamer one. I've been very happy with my Live Gamer 2 that I've been using from Avermedia uh, for capturing. There's some issues with black level stuff, but generally I've been very happy with the card. Um, and what I wanted to do um, is essentially capture at 1080p, but essentially downscaling a 4K image. So the part I don't know yet is... If me not capturing at 4K will cause a more intense, like, um, um, you know, intense pr- process on my, my PC, essentially, um, even though I'll be capturing 1080p, if like actually processing the 4K signal coming in will cause will cause problems. So that's the one thing I have to check real quick. That was a little bit of a a little bit of a risk I'm taking in some degree because it's like 200 bucks for that capture card right now. And it is on sale, although I feel like I always, I always see it on sale. Um, and, and so if that does not work out, then, then what I want to do with the 4k setup doesn't really matter 
right now until I can get a new PC. However, the, the like I mentioned earlier with the with the retro tink, the um, resolution swapping is something I can benefit from, even if I don't swap out anything else. So uh, there is some benefit there. Either way, in total, that's about like 500 bucks between both of those things. So, you know, I essentially sacrificed like <laughs> a Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 for it. Um, to some degree, if you want to think about it that way. Um, but, you know, we play a lot of games, and I feel like we play a lot of games that are in 480p as well. So I think it'll be a big benefit um, to us. You know, I think some people won't notice. Uh, but one thing I, I did was kind of came away surprised by was um, when uh, ZFG, Ocarina of Time Speedrunner, kind of did this swap. Um, his his audience seemed to notice quite a bit, actually. So so I think that's that's cool. And immediately it's something that, or admittedly it's something that you probably won't notice like long term as much. Uh, but I think overall I am um, interested in trying to get the best quality, if only, well, for two reasons. One, obviously I want to make my videos, right? And the other component is that sometimes I'm the only gameplay of this game, or the only gameplay is from like a video that was uploaded 10 years ago, or emulator only, or things like that. So I think there's a benefit to that. Um, admittedly, when we're talking about Wii games and things like that, that's probably less so of the case. But, um, you know, there, there's definitely games. I, I picked up that anime game recently. I forget what it was called. It's like some kind of like a uh, priest kind of dude who, who you like use the Wiimote pointer to kind of like seal enemies and things like that. Um, there's some gameplay of that online, but a lot of it is very old and, and kind of in the same, uh, uh, you know, capture quality as you expect from a game that was, you know, released, uh, 10 years ago at this point. So, so I think there's still some benefit there. Um, but, but yeah, so I think it'll be good, good to do again, pretty big chunk of money though. I, I did not feel great doing it. Uh, but overall, you know, this is the first step to actually being able to do like a, a true 4k capture. And the reality is, I think this is going to be the biggest benefit for me. The actual 4k capture in the future, I don't think will be a huge benefit to me with the exception of when we start talking about newer games. And if, you know, obviously if the online space of how video is displayed, uh, uh, shifts significantly to the point where like 1080p is not super you know, um, uh, well liked at this point. I feel like 720p video online is, is kind of in that space right now. We're like, yes, you can do 720p. Um, but people want it to be a higher quality than that. So, so yeah, that there's my money spending adventures. Although there's a little bit of more money spending adventures we'll talk about, but thankfully much smaller costs. Um, one thing I did do actually, it's kind of speaking on hardware is, um, I did. So previously I had purchased a, uh, windows XP laptop or a laptop that was running windows XP that I wanted to use for, uh, trying to, uh, get like uh, have the first kiss story desktop accessory discs running on on real hardware so if you don't know first kiss story that pcfx visual novel that i that i have a problem with uh, and by problem i mean i like it too much <laughs> um that has like a series of fan disc kind of things uh that they put out called desktop accessory discs and on there there's actually games and stuff like that little mini games and stuff and I've played them before using a uh, PCM uh, uh, setup, so like a em emulating like a Windows 98 PC. But uh, Gaming Curiosities let me know that at least Unix Fighters 98 version 2 um, has the ability to do uh, Windows XP or run on Windows XP. Um, so that is something that I, I was like, okay, so maybe all this other stuff can too. That's like on these same discs. So, and I, I believe I confirmed Unix Fighters 98 did run on that laptop. And then I believe maybe Unix or, or Final not final, uh, first kiss story, uh, bingo 
also ran on there. So there's some other stuff on there that I, I would like to, to mess around with more, but at least those things are kind of like the most important things that I, I'm interested in checking out. Uh, but the laptop I had, the VGA port on it was not working, or the one I purchased, I should say. So I returned it, got my money back and everything. Uh, thankfully, the, the seller was very uh, uh, understanding because I was actually past the return date, um, but they they uh, let me go ahead and return it. Anyways, um, so uh, recently we're moving offices at, the, at, uh, at my job, and we have an old kiosk that we're basically disassembling and tearing down because it just isn't going to work for what we're doing. And there's a PC in there, so I went ahead and uh, essentially uh, grabbed that PC out of there uh, and, and I'm going to be trying to use that for my Windows XP setup. It has like a Pentium processor in it, but it's an older, um, uh, uh or it's, it's a, it's a newer PC for sure. It's like a 2012 PC. However, I looked at, I think it's like an Optiplex 790 or something like that. Um, and, and I, I did look on Dell's website and they do have drivers for Windows XP for that, that, uh, that PC. So I think it will be fine. I'm not like super knowledgeable about PC components and compatibility and what determines what can work with what OS and things like that. So, you know, maybe I'm going down a bad path here, but at the same time, uh, it's a free PC. <laughs> so the only thing I had to buy is there was no disk drive in it. And I could have, you know, tried to figure out how to actually get it. So I could just like fake a disk drive for installing XP is running windows seven. And then also, um, um, you know, uh, for the games themselves. But the reality is, is that it was just easier to buy a disk drive for it. Thankfully they're very cheap. I think that model of, of Dell is very, um, like, uh, there's a lot of them out there. And so there's a uh, pretty easy for me to get a, uh, it's like a small form factor DVD drive I had to get. It's like 10 bucks basically. So very easy. I got that in today. It's actually running in the back doing a windows XP install right now. So we'll, we'll see how that comes together, but that'll be nice not having to spend, you know, 60 to a hundred something bucks on a windows XP thing. If I can just use, utilize this PC, that was one of my biggest regrets when we moved the last offices, we had a ton of these PCs that could run XP and I, and I, and I basically pass on all of them and then immediately after i got into all this weird windows desktop accessory discs and like ah <laughs> so so yeah and so that's that's kind of the the weird nightmare uh niche stuff right now <laughs> in terms of hardware and and me working on things that i probably shouldn't be working on at the moment because i'm trying to do other things um but one thing i did do in terms of game playing games is that we went ahead and played uh in my my kind of co-op group or whatever uh edf insect armageddon we only have three people available right now so we're trying to find a game that kind of fit within that space and um edf was a uh, insect armageddon specifically is a three player only edf i'm not sure if the other ones are three player i think they're four players but I could be wrong. I know some are two players only. I say, I know, I don't actually know that. I think some are only two players only. Um, anyways, so I played EDF Insect Armageddon. If you don't know, you know, if you're familiar with the broader EDF series, I think it's gotten a lot popular since Insect Armageddon came out. Um, but the broader EDF series is by a, a studio. I think they're called like Sandbox or Sandlot Games or something like that. Japanese developer. And those games have a very particular D3 publisher simple series charm. It started out as a simple series. So, you know, they are rough in the way that they are rough. EDF Insect Armageddon is actually a game developed by a, um, I believe a Canadian team, if I recall correctly. I forget what they worked on, but, but they, they went, um, under in like 2016. The last game was like Kung Fu Panda. And I was like, oh no. Uh, but EDF Insect Armageddon is a game that is probably the, from what I've played of EDF, probably the most balanced EDF, not only in terms of classes, but also weapons and things like that. However, it is a game that, um, looks more like what you'd expect from games in like 2009, I think is when it came out where, or maybe it's like a little after that where it is just kind of like this 
realistic kind of, you know, Call of Duty looking graphics kind of thing. Uh, it does still have like the cheesy movie atmosphere to it, but I think it, it, it comes off as a bit less genuine or maybe a bit more intentional to some degree, where I feel like normal EDF um, is, is a little more, uh, I don't know how to put it, like like uh, plays it a bit more loosely, where this feels like it maybe has a bit more restrictions around like the type of, of storytelling they're doing. Either way, it's, it's silly and stupid in the way EDF is, but maybe just a little less so. And I think that's kind of the whole thing with Insect Armageddon is that the game feels a little less than what you'd expect out of EDF, not only in terms of the storytelling, the visuals, uh, the classes being, you know, broken in whatever way, but also um, just in terms of like weapons, weapon variety is a big thing to EDF where you basically have to like, you know, go and shoot a bunch of insects and like what you need when you're shooting, like when you're shooting a ton of insects all at once and that's literally your whole video game is just waves of insects coming at you and shooting at them. Like the, the weapon variety is, I think, a big deal in that regard because that make that's what makes it entertaining. Um, and unfortunately, I think this game's weapon variety just feels, at least in a normal playthrough, from start to, you know, opening to credits, um, is, is very bland, unfortunately. And I think that, that kind of hurts a lot of its, um, appeal. And it's a shame because it is probably a better playing EDF than most of the other EDFs I've played. Uh, immediately we're playing the PC version, so maybe the console versions are a lot rougher. I'm not 100% sure, but, but, you know, overall it was fun. And, and for like, you know, the, the five hours it took for us to get through it and, and finish that story up. I think that was like the, per the perfect length for for that type of game in terms of what it was showing us at that time. I don't think we're going to go into like the harder difficulties. If you don't know, EDF is a series that really wants you to, to grind out different difficulty levels. I'm personally not really into that. I mean, I, th I find EDF on normal playthrough already a grind. <laughs> so, so yeah, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't think we'll really go too, too much deeper into it, but you know, it was a fun little thing to play with friends, I think, and just have a conversation, but it is just a little, maybe a little too bland in that regard. And, and it was more just something to do while you chat kind of thing. I think it's those kind of, one of those kind of games where nothing about it specifically stands out. Um, outside of the context of EDF as a whole. I think there's some interesting things about it if you're familiar with the more traditional EDF and just the different directions they took, but that doesn't necessarily mean it makes it a good standalone video game in, in that regard. So I went and played through that. Um, we also finished up Scourge Hive on stream last week, so so I'm glad we finished that. I, we, we did a community review, and I'm a little split on it still. I think I feel maybe a little more positively than the people that, that are in the chat, so the community crew there. Um, and, and so maybe, uh, maybe I feel like we were a little hard on it at times, but overall, I think I'm, I'm, I don't disagree with anything we said on there. I think it's a game that's fun to play. Um, but I think a lot of its core ideas just aren't really elaborated on in very interesting ways. Um, the, the, the two being the, um, the kind of infection system. So if you don't know in Scourge Hive, uh, you are, it's kind of like a Metroidvania style game and, and your character's infected. So the, when you're outside of save rooms, you go and you have to like, you have a time limit essentially because your, your suit's constantly ticking down on infection as it spreads throughout your body and you can reach 100% infection. Uh, it just starts to drain your health. So, so theoretically, as long as you're killing enemies and getting health back, you know, you can go however long you want. It makes it a bit more frantic and things like that at times. Um, but that infection system, unfortunately, I think is kind of undermined by the fact that that game is already just kind of hectic all the time. The enemy placement is done in a way that feels, um, it reminds me a lot of like old European retro games that like you'd walk into a room and just like 
a bunch of trash just starts flying at you on the screen. And, you know, maybe maybe that's there's an appeal to that or there's like a way you're supposed to deal with that that I'm not familiar with. But it just felt like the entire time I was just constantly being, you know, flooded by enemies. And I think part of the problem with this game is that when it comes to the combat, the, 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 the shots fired are not wide enough. So, so the game really wants you to be precise, um, with these shots because they're, they are very narrow in terms of their hitbox, but just like, uh, it's, it's just too hectic to be too, too, too precise. So I think they really needed to give the character a more wider, uh, range of attack if they really wanted to kind of make it easier. The combat's just a bit too involved for the individual encounters. And then the boss fights themselves, um, don't really ask that ask too much of you in terms of that precision so so it feels like there's like a, a mismatch there of like how how those those encounters are supposed to go um so anyways the, the the point being though is that i think it just kind of makes it so the game always feels hectic so the infection element of it just doesn't necessarily make it feel that more hectic i think if, if there were more low periods in the combat the infection system would kind of augment that um, I do think at the time when it came out, people were not particularly happy with the infection system uh, regarding the time limit thing. But I think it's so generous that I, I I think that's more of just like a mental state of mind kind of thing where it's like, you know, I think most people are probably um, overthinking it in that case. But I didn't go read reviews or anything like that. Just, this is just my memory of reviews from like, you know, how, 14 years ago whenever that game came out. It's been a while, 15 years ago. So, so yeah. But I'm glad I finally played through it. I bought it in a bargain bin for five bucks at a Best Buy in like 2007. And it's just been sitting there for all this time. So I'm glad we finally finished it. <laughs> That's kind of, the, the, those are the kind of games I like having on stream is like, this thing's been sitting here forever. Let's get rid of it. Let's finish it. <laughs> um, so yeah. I also finished up Nintendoji, um, which I talked about significantly last week. So if you want to hear more about Nintendoji, please check out last week's podcast. Um, but Nintendoji, you know, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it last time, but there's 50 floors in this game. Um, you don't have to do all 50 floors for the initial uh, credits, at least. I don't know if there's a real ending or anything beyond that. Um, I do believe I've seen a character before in that game and like some of the, the fan art that the Japanese fans have, have put up before that I have not personally encountered. And I wonder if that has something to do with the 50th floor. I may still try to go after that 50th floor. Um, I'm still on the fence about it. After I beat it, I kind of put it down for now. But I think that is something I want to do is to see more of that game post-credits. Because that is a game that I think um, uh, seeing each individual area every like 10 or so floors is, is a fun part of that game. And also, because there's not a lot of footage of that game online, I think it is important to kind of see as much of it as I possibly can. And I don't think it'll take that long, hopefully. Once you start getting in the groove, I think things start to move faster. As I was starting to more easily recognize the cards and their abilities and things like that, that was a lot easier um, to, 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 to make my make go through the game quicker. There's also cards you can use to kind of skip floors and things like that. So if you want to jump ahead a certain number of floors, you can do that. Although they are not super common cards and how you use them uh, requires a very specific scenario in the environment itself for that so so yeah i'm glad i finished that up uh the credit sequence had some good music unfortunately i don't think there's any nintendo g soundtrack rips out there if you listen to the uh podcast last week i had the opening video or opening music be nintendo g but like you can hear the the character at the, the beginning like getting knocked back or it's like kind of thing um so we'll have to see i would like to have raw music especially if i'm doing a nintendo g video um, but you know, we'll see what happens with that. And that's pretty much it in terms of stuff I've played. Unfortunately, not a ton of stuff I feel like. Um, did play a little bit of Apex again this week. I had a couple nights where some friends asked me to, to jump in there. Nothing new there though. 
Um, in terms of news this week, though, uh, we have the Nintendo Direct that happened. We'll get into that in a little bit. I want to start with some of these other news stories because I do feel like the Nintendo Direct is something that, you know, people talk about already. I think there are some things that I'm going to particularly highlight that most people probably aren't going to highlight, but, you know, that's just this podcast. Um, but I did want to go ahead and talk about the Senran Kagura 10th anniversary page went up. This is not connected to an individual game. They're basically just putting up a, a celebratory page for the, the Senran Kagura series. Although if you are aware with the Senran Kagura series, the um, there's a uh, like a crossover game coming out right now called uh, Neptunia x Senran Kagura or whatever. However, I believe that is largely a compile heart um joint in terms of the the development i don't know that for sure but that is my gut feeling there's no like logo for honey parade games on there um if you don't know honey parade games being kind of like the core center could grow a developer at this point um and developers of kind of got jet girls i was actually talking to uh vice the determined uh about Kanagawa Jet Girls. I was I was like, oh man, he's playing that. Awesome. Unfortunately he has not played the online, which I think is where most of the enjoyment of that game is, but he seemed to at least appreciate the mechanics, which I was happy about. I wish I could I wish I could recommend Kanagawa Jet Girls to people, but the the reality is is that the multiplayer is where that game's really at. And unless you really organize something, you know, you, you you're not gonna get a chance to play that unfortunately there's just no one playing online or you might find one person at best right um and you got and there's the the whole steep i won't get into it there's a whole steep climb to the leveling up system in those games that i hate uh for for accessibility reasons but anyways all that aside the reason i bring this up is because on that 10th anniversary page honey parade games logo is on the page which makes me happy um because the the last thing that honey parade games did in terms of unique game was Kanagawa Jet Girls, which is not really super well received, is the impression I get. I guess I don't really have the actual sales numbers with me, uh, but but I, I believe it is largely deemed kind of a failure, at least within the fan base of, of the Center Kagura and, and Honey Parade Games fans. Uh, and then they also did a uh, uppers port um, from Vita to PC. I think there was going to be a PS4 port as well, but Sony canceled it because there is some stuff in that game related to, I believe, panting flashing specifically. And um, I think that's like a, maybe a, a part of its combat, um, and I and I don't think they ended up uh, uh, giving up on that uh, component. Where where I believe Sony probably was just like, we don't want this in this game. Please take this out or cancel this, basically. Um, so the, there's the PC version that that came out, I believe, last year. And otherwise, they've been pretty quiet. Um, so I've been kind of waiting to see if they're going to do anything. Uh, and this is not the announcement that they're doing anything, but their logo's there, which probably means they're still alive and existing. So glad for that. Looking forward to see whatever they have next, uh, on that. Uh, another random game that we haven't talked about in a long time is, uh, Ngawa Boys and Kimontan. That's the Google Translate name for this. Don't know 100% if that's their actual name. Uh, but that is the game that we talked about before where it's like a, you you live on a farm with the dude there and you also, he has like a little like raccoon leaf looking thing, little monster. And uh, you you farm and things like that. And then you after you farm, you basically go out at night and you fight yokai and things like that. And, and the, the things you farm during the day kind of apply to that combat system. I, I don't remember 100% how it does, but, but the things you're farming in the day um, you know, basically is, is, is applied to the combat you do later kind of thing. Um, that was a mobile game and it did come out and there apparently has been ongoing. They're apparently releasing a, a big patch for it, a fall patch. There's a nice like hint, picture of him in like a winter coat. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, I love winter coats. I love warm clothing on my characters. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Different outfits in general, different hairstyles, I believe. Hair colors for sure. Um, but in, in, in announcing this, they also said that the Switch release will be coming out on October uh, 21st for that game. So uh, looking forward to that. I believe it's a Japanese-only release, so I don't really expect there to be an English version at this time. I don't know if I will check it out, 
but uh but i would i i'm very curious about the game if it comes out in english i think i will take some time to sit down and look at it i'm not sure if it's a free to play thing on on uh switch and i assume on phone it is but uh, i'm not sure if it's gonna be free to play thing or if you have to purchase it or not but glad to see that's still going still alive i forget who works on that i feel like there was a developer i looked at at one point and was like ah yeah that's interesting that they're making this game but maybe i'm just conflating that with somebody else so anyways um and then one last thing before we get into nintendo direct stuff specifically um sony uh quietly patched the cmos battery issue on playstation 4 so if you don't know what happened basically uh i believe it was last year maybe earlier this year i don't remember when exactly i think it was earlier this year actually um sony announced that they were shutting down some of their uh their online stores and things like that and that drew a lot of attention to the fact that the playstation 3 um, cannot ask access its digital games um, after basically the, the Sony shuts its servers down and then if the console also has a dead CMOS battery which basically is a battery that keeps track of time essentially is the best way you can think of it um, and with that CMOS battery issue on the PlayStation 3 you know you can still play your disc based games it's just the digital ones I assume downloadable content maybe is not accessible either but I don't know for sure on that however in addition to this people found out that on the PlayStation 4 you actually can't play I don't know if it was all, but at least the majority of games, even if you have a disc. So your disc was essentially a, a paperweight in that regard. And if you don't update your PS4, it will continue to remain a paperweight. However, if you upgrade to the, I believe this is the 9.0 version of the PS4 firmware, uh, apparently it resolves that issue. Apparently there's something to do with trophies, uh, where essentially the game's trying to check for trophies or something, and it, and it basically forces the game to go to the internet and validate some information um, even if you're, if it's a disc version of the game. So apparently they have changed that. And then I believe it was, um, what's his name? MLG or something like that. Not MLG, MVG, something like that. Modern Vintage Gamer. That's what, that's what it was. He did a video that kind of went over that and, and did some testing. I'm not sure where the actual source of this came from, but he, he did do a video that, that basically tested and confirmed this. Um, or at least confirmed it for God of War. I don't know how many other games he tested it for. Um, Sony did not really say anything about this. My best guess is the reason why is because they made a change that they're like, this will probably fix this, but maybe didn't want to take responsibility for saying, oh, every game works now kind of thing. Um, and they'd rather just like put it out. The people who care about it are going to, you know, care about it and they'll be happy about it. But then the, 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 the people who don't care about it, you know, won't, won't be aware of it. You know, it was not a particularly happy PR time for Sony at that time. So I think they were happy to, to, to just let it run under the radar for the most part. So, uh, but yeah, that definitely makes, uh, I think, people in MySpace feel a little more confident about their games in terms of being able to officially play games on, on systems longer term. Obviously, there's still the issue of patches and things like that. Um, and I think the reality is, is that when we talk about retro gaming on PS3, 360, and basically any console after that, you know, you're talking about a hacked system if you're going to be do doing things. Like like once Sony and Microsoft stop supporting those, those systems, you're just going to have to hack those systems for the most part to get the most out of them, right? Unless you want to be playing 1.0 version of games on from discs or or limit you know the dlc you can access or buy obscure versions of the games that include the dlc right um so i think that's probably the reality of it however i think the thing i i kind of came away from um or maybe i don't know if i necessarily made a decision based off this but i i maybe felt a bit more comfortable is the fact that hey you know sometimes it's just fine to get to a game however you need to get to it right um, you know, as somebody who is playing Nintendo G right now, uh, and does not want to sit there and try to find a Japanese 3DS 
with a Nintendo G loaded onto it kind of thing and pay a bunch of money to somebody for it, you know, for no real reason to no real benefit of any people or parties involved outside of, you know, the person reselling it, you know, at some point it's like, whatever, man, like I will buy a Nintendo G if you let me buy a Nintendo G like officially sure Nintendo, but until you let me do that, I'm just going to do whatever I need to, to get to it basically. Um, and I realize not everybody's happy with that answer and that's perfectly fine. I think, I think I, I hope one thing that has been more apparent in recent years is that people should be fine. Like largely just letting people enjoy retro games, however they want, whether that be from a, you know, official version of a game versus non-official versus repro versus whatever. Obviously there's individual issues with each one of those. Right. Um, but ultimately, you know, let somebody choose their own conscience of how they want to play those things, um, and things like that. So anyways, very cool that that's fixed props to Sony for doing that. They probably could have very much just buried it and let it go. And then only people like me would have been somewhat frustrated (laughs) about it. And then we just have to hack the system in the future to make it work. Um, anyways, that's it for like the standard news, I believe. So let's go ahead and transition over to the Nintendo Direct stuff. So if you've watched Nintendo Direct stuff, you're probably very aware of most of the things that were announced. So I'm largely just going to highlight the things that I found important. So the probably the, the, the first thing that caught my eye was Chocobo GP being a, a, a Final Fantasy racing game. Uh, I'm a big fan of kart racers, things like that. Uh, unfortunately, I have a lot of them around, so I don't have a lot of intention to buy anything anytime soon at this time. Uh, so I don't know if I will buy a Chocobo GP, but I am interested in it. There is like the Magisite system for, for, for weapons and things like that. You can basically collect the same version of a, of a spell on the field and it'll level up your spell and get like, you know, fire, fire, to fire kind of thing um i don't know how deep that system is if it is literally just collecting the three items or things like that but i do like that there is that kind of like stacking element to the game that's cool i think that's a fairly i don't want to say unique thing to that but it's not something that you know is in mario kart at least right so so at least they have something distinguishing there it seems like they also have kind of like a fun cast of characters steiners in there from final fantasy 9 which like yeah man put steiner in there i look final fantasy 11 rep I don't think it's going to be in there because I think that what they're doing is going to be maybe leaning into Final Fantasy IX specifically a little bit, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but Final Fantasy XI rep, don't put Shantoto in there. Hey, man, make it a Mandragora, right? I mean, Mandragoras kind of look the same between all the games. Make it something cool. Make it something weird. I don't want Shantoto. Give me a little Alf... What is her name? Alfima? The the, the, the lady from Argon. Make it one of her puppets. There we go. Square Enix. Make... Make decisions that will make you less money, Square Enix. <laughs> um, so yeah, cool to see that coming through. Um, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, this is something I've been waiting for for a long time, which is a 3D Kirby game. Um, I So if you didn't know, like years and years ago, uh, during the Awata Ask series, I believe it was for the Return to Dreamland Awata Ask series, uh, they showed off a prototype for a 3D Kirby uh, game. It was just a screenshot, unfortunately, but you know, very cool that they showed that off. And I was always like, oh man, that looks like that is that is I want to see Kirby doing stuff in 3D, man. And and unfortunately that got canceled and then that got turned into the GameCube Kirby game, which then got canceled and then turned into Return to Dreamland. <laughs> um, but uh, I picked up Battle Royale a little bit because of um, the the, uh, the the kind of 3D aspect of that game. But, you know, it's a mini game kind of collection thing. 
uh, very cool. The, 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 what was it called? It was like uh, the, the the capture the flag kind of thing or whatever it was. That that's a very cool game in that thing. If you played Battle Royale, you know what mode I'm talking about. If you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. Um, and then uh, Kirby Blowout Blast. I love Kirby Blowout Blast. I bought it because of that 3D element, like it being an isometric kind of thing in that situation. So it's kind of top down, so not really 3D per se. Although I think there was layers and things like that. Uh, I love Blowout Blast, not for that 3D element though, because that game has a really cool combo system. It also is a game that focuses on Kirby's core move set something that i think is not done uh common like un, uh, like frequently enough you know power-ups are always the focus of kirby so when you focus on hey breathing stuff in shooting it out kirby being kirby i'm like cool man it's why i like kirby dreamland one like the best because it is this the weird kirby move set and you're forced to use it rather than be like okay i guess i'm playing like a floaty side-scrolling action game now that those are bad don't get me wrong i do like that stuff actually my favorite version of those power-ups in kirby games is in the um the anniversary collection is like these little trial maps. Or they, I think those, those actually exist in Return to Dreamland as well. But there are maps specifically built for like under the understanding that you have this power up kind of thing, um, which I think is very cool. Kirby stuff aside. Sorry, I go on these little rants sometimes. I just want to talk about Kirby sometimes. Um, Forgotten Land 3D game, uh, weird post, well, not really weird post-apocalyptic world kind of thing. If you know the Kirby lore, there's a lot of weird stuff in there already. Like, there's, like, a Frozen over Earth and stuff in that series. It's, they're aware of what they're doing. This is not something particularly unique with this game. Um, but maybe it's the most forefront version of it where you're, like, in this rundown mall kind of thing. So, so uh, still looks very cool. I'm very excited. I will definitely be picking that game up. Uh, I do want to sit down and play through it as much as you know, as soon as I can. I don't remember when they said it was coming out. I think it's just a 2022 game. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have a note here for Bayonetta. I will never play Bayonetta 3. Just so you know, I will never play Bayonetta 1 through 3, ever. Bayonetta's outfit looks alright. Um, ActRaiser Renaissance? I believe that's the name. Um, it, it is a ActRaiser remake that was announced there. Uh, this is a weird looking thing. Uh, cause art style wise, it is definitely one of those games that they try really hard to make it like pretty it up a lot, right? Make it like very HD, HD friendly. And I think, uh, I, I came away, like, initially pretty impressed by it. Although, once I, like, went and looked at the screenshots, I was like, this looks a little grungy, actually, at times. Specifically, the main dude's, like, like 2D sprite or whatever it is. I don't know. It looks like one of those things where they just took a picture of a 3D model and then turned into a sprite. And then, like, it looks all messed up. Uh, kind of thing. It's like running a Wii game in Dolphin or something. Um, anyways, uh, but the, the point being, um, is, uh, uh, it, it looks cool. They're adding new stuff. I'm, I'm glad they're, they're kind of re-embracing ActRaiser in a way. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. I don't, I don't think I'll play it, unfortunately. I'm a big fan of ActRaiser, but I don't think I'll play it just because it's just not... I got what I need out of ActRaiser at this point in my life, I think. And, and I don't know if I need more ActRaiser. Um, but I, I'm definitely, you know... If they show off some more stuff in the future for maybe like a sequel or something, I'd, I'd probably be interested. A, a third entry, I guess. There already was a sequel technically. Um, but I don't know. It's not high on my list to do, but I think it's very cool that they showed that off. And the Japan Retro Direct, they had Megaton Musashi. This actually you know, showed off at uh, Tokyo Game Show last year. I did not realize that. This is a level 5 joint, actually. I, I'm always surprised when I see level 5 on anything these days, uh, in the U.S. at least, um, although this game has not been announced for the U.S. Um, and this is a kind of like a Gundam Breaker-style mech game, as far as I can tell, where you basically get different parts that you can equip on your mech, and you go in like these kind of four-player encounters where you fight 
bosses and things like that. Um, I'm actually really interested in this game. I don't like the story segments in terms of how they look so much. They kind of look like the 13 Sentinel story segments, but more of like a flat kind of anime uh, aesthetic to it. Um, but overall, I think the game has a really nice look to it. The, the robots look really um, fun in a very level five kind of way. I feel like just like... I don't know. There's there's kind of a looseness to their design that that I that I like that feels like somewhere between you know kind of a, a cheesy kids cartoon kind of thing versus something that's very like well made and, and polished kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to define level five designs in general, but I like that. I like the space they're in for that. Anyways, so that that thing is uh, I think coming out next. No, I think it's coming out next month in Japan, if I recall correctly. PS4 and Switch. Uh, I don't think there's been a U.S. announced release date or anything like that. Level 5, as far as I'm aware, does not have a consistent U.S. publisher at this point. So, um, and they don't have a, a U.S. office anymore, uh, as far as I'm aware. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll be able to get that, uh, but I'll keep an eye out on it. It's also one of those things that, like, I, I really want to play Snack World when that got localized, and I never did, unfortunately. So I can't sit there and say I will play it because I, I don't know for sure. But but I'm very interested at the very least. Uh, the Tokyo Game Show trailer they did actually did have English subtitles in it, so I think the intention is that they do want to release it in the West. Uh, but, you know, whether they can or not is a whole other thing. Um, Token Ranbu Muso or Token Rombo Warriors, because I think it actually got announced for localization uh, recently, is coming out. That is a, a this long-time kind of, like, gotcha, I believe, sword anime otome kind of mobile game thing. That's a lot of words. Um, but, you know, Handsome Men. Uh, the end result is Handsome Men in a Musou game kind of thing. There's been other games like this, I believe, on PS3. Um, and then there's also like the Senko, uh, Senkoku Basara series, things like that. I was just kind of surprised to see this because this franchise has been around a long time and I had no idea it was still relevant. Um, although, I mean, I still saw it from time to time, but I just had no idea how big it was. But enough to, to warrant its own Warriors release. So that's cool. And then Peace at Resistance in terms of game announcements. Disney Magical World 2 port. Okay, I've got a little bit of a, a beef with this to some degree. If you're going to make a port of Disney Magical World 2 from the 3DS to the Switch, include the first game, man. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's been long enough. Just bundle them together. They did not do that, though. Um, otherwise, though, you know, this is basically kind of a life simulator set in the uh, Disney uh, uh, park, and you're like a little... It's a Bandai Namco game. I should, I should specify that. You know, the, the reason I have interest in this um, is because it is very much in that space that a game like Whiskey is in the space like like those active life games, that kind of family friendly kind of, of of kind of game experience thing. And I've I've always kind of had an eye for this game um, in general. Just I never really got around to doing it. Um, so seeing it getting a Switch port is cool. It's apparently going to include all the DLC from the previous game, uh, and then it's just going to look nicer in general as far as as far as I can tell. I'm not sure how much that game relied on the 3DS gimmicks and things like that. So I can't say for certain if that is something that's going to be lost. I do know that's something that that was lost. I believe with Go Vacation. Um, it lost some of its Wii gimmicks because of that. I think some of the games are just straight up removed from what I recall reading, but have not played Go Vacation on Wii or Switch yet. Anyways, uh, side note here. I now am a proud, proud owner of Disney Magical World 1 for the 3DS. I found a pretty good deal online. Um, it's not a, it's not an expensive game, but it's not a cheap game either. It is like, like pretty much the main, like the, the full price of the, the original release still. Um, so I was able to get a copy for about 15 bu bucks. I actually bought it in a lot, which is probably why. Um, and in that lot, it also included Mario Kart 7, um, which is a game I also do not own. Uh, but it was $32, I think for the whole lot. And so, you know, I essentially got those two games for 15 bucks. I was like, okay, as long as this is like a, like a, a actually a legit copy of this game, 
that's a pretty good value, I think. And Mario Kart 7 is like the only Mario Kart I don't have. So I kind of feel like, I was like, eh, you know, why not? Why not have more Mario Kart in my life? Because that was something that I that I have not really sat down with. And like one of the nice things about Mario Kart as well, you know, I did a, some flying earlier this year and be doing a little bit more flying at the end of this month. Um, one of the things with Mario Kart is that it's something I know I'm probably never going to talk about. And if I need to talk about it, I can get footage really easily. <laughs> so so I won't feel too bad if I, if I, uh, if I go and play that on a plane. And then just don't record anything of it. Like, that's fine. So, maybe my October trip, I'll be playing some Mario Kart 7, guys. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, Disney Magical World. Glad they're bringing that back. Uh, curious to see if they're going to be doing more think games within that space here. Um, and then, uh, in terms of kind of retro release, re-release stuff, um, the Nintendo 64 online classic stuff we talked about last week is, 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 is true. So they will be adding 64 games to the Nintendo Switch online service, which is, um, you know, I think very exciting and very cool. Um, um, generally, I think the, the one thing I mentioned, so I talked about this last week and I was like, you know, I don't really have much of a need for this. And that's absolutely true. I do not have much of a need for this for sure. Um, and really when I look at the games on there, the only things that really jumped out at me were sin and punishment. You know, I, I don't need to play that there, but cool. Glad they put that on there. Um, I, you know, I made a video about sin and punishment earlier this year and I love that game. Um, it's very cool and you should play it if you have not. And, and Hey, a bite-sized service like uh, like Nintendo Switch Online, great place to do Sit and Punishment because that game is like less than an hour long. You know, pop it up, blow through it, you're good. You don't need to buy a copy of Sit and Punishment. Um, Win Back being on there is rad. I don't I don't know who owns Win Back. I feel like it's a Konami thing, but I could be wrong about that. Um, that's a weird thing. If you don't know what Win Back is, is is a third-person cover-based shooter for the Nintendo 64. Uh, I played a bit of it as a kid and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, played the multiplayer actually quite a bit as a kid. So I think that's very cool. And then in, they said in the future, F-Zero X would be coming as well as a later release. Um, the, the, they showed off more of these games. I want to stress. They showed off, you know, all the usuals, Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie's on there. Those kind of things. You know what you're getting with with that kind of thing. And, and, and like, I have no reason to talk about those or ever look at them. But hey, sure, why not? Put them on there. Accessibility is a big, big important thing. I have my stupid you know, however many thousands of dollars I spent to make Nintendo 64 games work, right? Uh, versus, versus, you know, like most people, you know, the easiest thing for them to do is just boot up Switch Online and that, that works a lot. So I, I definitely value that in that regard. Uh, but for me personally, I just don't see too many situations where um, any of these individual games will really catch my eye. Winback specifically, I will say, is a potential interest to me. However, there is a PS2 version of Winback that I have always personally have been eyeing up i have not looked into it recently don't know if it's any more like expensive but i do know it had voice acting i also don't know what's different between the 64 and the the ps2 version outside of the fact it had voice acting so um i'm definitely interested in win back but it's not very high on the list and there are other options that i would like to explore before i just go on nintendo switch online and play it there however it will include online multiplayer i believe they said um i believe it should support up to four players I, I would imagine they would have specified otherwise if not um but you know i know the current uh infrastructure they have is only set for two players um but hopefully it'll have four player online so you can play things like mario kart 64 hopefully as well as win back four player online win back sure man why not so very cool um, and, and they're also doing a Nintendo 64 controller. I'm kind of interested in that 64 controller, um, just because those games definitely have a very specific layout and having a controller specifically built for that is nice. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm not really going to plan to use this very often, if at all. So spending 50 bucks on a controller, I 
don't really have a ton of particular use for is kind of a, you know, a thing there. It'd be interesting to see if the components like match up with the originals at all so people could start gutting these for parts. <laughs> if you don't know, 64 analog sticks are a nightmare and the replacement ones for them are trash. So um, if Nintendo just has like the same connector to those sticks, it'd be like, hey, yeah, man, everyone buy these things and just like replace their old 64 analog sticks. I would do that. <laughs> uh, 50 bucks is pretty high though, but you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get some aftermarket parts, new parts in the market. That'd be nice. Uh, and then there's also the Castlevania Advance Collection. Uh, we've talked about this before, you know, includes all the Game Boy Advance Castlevania games. All great games. Personally, a big fan of Circle of the Moon there. Area of Sorrow is a great game as well. I think that's probably one of the best, if not the best, Castlevania game ever made. Um, and then also, uh, Harmony of Dissonance is on there. I'm not a huge Harmony of Dissonance fan. But I feel like it's a game I, could, I should go back and look at. The last time I played it, I don't think I really um, was quite where I'm at in terms of being able to appreciate games for individual mechanics and things like that as much. And I believe that game has some weird stuff going on that um, I probably would like more today than I would have liked back when I played it. It was one of the first games I reviewed for the website. So if you go back, you can go look at my very awful review of Harmony of Despair where I give it like a 7.1. <laughs> and then also uh, Dracula X is on there, which is a Super Nintendo game. Weird thing, but I guess, you know, sure, why not? Like, I have no idea why the logic was throwing that on there. So strange. I don't know. They probably have some logic, but I just don't get it, really. But hey, cool. More. I'm not going to complain about more video games on your collection if it doesn't really match up with anything. Um, what I'm really waiting for is the Nintendo DS collection. Uh, not really because I need it, but that those games are still not accessible in any other way other than a Nintendo DS. Or if you're going to hack your Wii U like I did, you can play them that way as well. Um, although I know Portrait of Ruin I had some issues with on Wii U. Not that big issues, but like just some slight graphical issues. Um, but hey, come on. Castlevania DS collection. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And then in Japan, they also announced that they have some like um, physical game plus DLC uh, uh, packs that they're putting out. This includes Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2. Basically, they are the original games, but with the DLC included. They didn't really specify if that DLC is already like on the cart or if it is like a download code that's included in the game. So be curious to see how those uh, how those turn out. Um, you know, I know that they sold the Splatoon 2 DLC as a physical limited time. Have not looked in to see what the availability of those are like and what the price is like. But if it's anything like the Torn of the Golden Country uh, physical version, probably very expensive. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. Um, well, let me let me just say before I, before I wrap up, I think that was a really good Nintendo Direct. Um, I think the only thing that was kind of missing there for me is just more information on Monolith next title. Um, given that that will probably be Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I'm not really too, like... There's not much at the moment that I'm excited about with that, but, you know, I'll be looking forward to see what they do, and, you know, I'm a big Monolith Soft fan, so whatever they put out, as long as I look at it and go, like, I don't know what the heck's happened with this combat system, I'll probably be happy, um, so, so we'll see where that goes, but, uh, but, yeah, I think that's the only thing that I would have asked for otherwise, but, I mean, this is a great direct, good mix of stuff, good, good mix of third-party stuff as well in here, a lot of it's coming to PS4, perfectly fine with that, that's cool, um, and, yeah, so, so I th I'm pretty happy with this overall, um, Nintendo Directs. They're cool. Are you cool? Um, anyways, like I said, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. Um, I don't know if I had kind of this existential crisis before last week or not. I've been working on that GameCube list, and then I realized there's no real connection between any of the games on the GameCube list that I'm doing. And I was like, oh my god, what am I even doing? Which then led to my whole thing of like, what am I even doing with this YouTube channel? Because I still don't really have a consistent message I can put out to people. 
you know, I like my YouTube channel. I like the kind of type of stuff we cover. And then in my mind, there's a connection between all these games, but actually advertising it is a very different thing. So, um, yeah. Anyways, if you're a PCFX fan, please enjoy uh, my Happy Dance Collection coverage on the <laughs> the YouTube channel. Um, I just like, like, I like interesting games. That's what I'm really about. Uh, I don't really need it to be in, in sp- any specific category. Although when you're the PCFX, having a very interesting console makes it easy to find interesting games there for sure. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to work more on that. Anyways, so that GameCube list is still coming along. I'm probably just going to write it loose and be like, hey, these are games I find interesting for whatever reason. No connection otherwise. I just think they're interesting. We're going to talk about them. Um, and then also, I'm still working on the Nintendo G thing. Well, I haven't really even started the Nintendo G uh, uh, video yet, so we'll see w- when that gets started here. Um, and then uh, I also uh, am, I, I drafted up a gr- draft of the Chibi Robo uh, follow-up video that I'm doing. That thing's going to come after the first two, these first two things. I want to be able to point back to something Nintendo related if this video gets picked up at all. Um, so, which was the problem with the last Chibi Robo video where like, I have nothing to point back to that's really relevant. Hey, Nintendo G, that's probably relevant to somebody looking into weird Nintendo info, right? Um, so I think that, that at the very least, I think that video should be out. And I think GameCube, you know, Chibi Robo is kind of viewed as a GameCube franchise, even though only one game came out there. So um, I think there, there's definitely uh, value to having those videos out there so I can kind of point back to them. And then hopefully actually serve those people more than a single video. That'd be nice, huh? Um, <laughs> uh, Kishin Zenki, uh, I went ahead and drafted up a English guide for that. I think I may have talked about this last week. You might be thinking, hey, there's not much of a reason to do a Kishin Zenki um, English guide video. I think there are reasons to do one. Um, so you will see it. It's not as short as I thought it would be. Um, but, but, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and try to put that together, uh, sometime in the near ish future. Um, but it is, I'm kind of at this weird point where everything's kind of coming together, but nothing is really taking priority. So I don't really know what's going to end up coming out of that pipeline first. Um, I'm also working on a couple of interviews as well. With a couple people, uh, one in kind of like the retro game space, so we'll be talking potentially with them a bit. Um, very good channel. I'll talk about it whenever we get there. Um, and then also um, somebody who's in kind of the the more games for girls space as well. I want to I want to do a little bit more with that and talk to somebody in that space. So, uh, in terms of streaming next week, uh, we have the or this week rather. Sorry, I always get the next week this week mixed up because I'm recording this on a weekend. But in terms of streaming coming up, uh, we'll be doing a PSP slash Vita stream. Uh, we'll be playing random PSP and Vita games. I have my backlog raid listed up on the uh, the Twitter page uh, where I made a post about it. So if you want to request a game to be played during that that stream, whether you are there or whether it's a you know to check it out later on a video on demand or whatever. VOD, um, then then that is there for you to, 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 to look at. But yeah, I hacked my Vita a few weeks back and I just want to kind of go ahead and, uh, you know, utilize it a bit and uh, just mess around with it. I'm getting that Valkyrie Chronicles 3 itch. I want to play Valkyrie Chronicles 3. I bet I was listening to the soundtrack the other day for Valkyrie Chronicles 2. I was like, man, Valkyrie Chronicles 3. I want that in my life. I had the fan translation installed, so I'm ready to go whenever I have the time. <laughs> So we'll see if I get there. Anyways, thank you so much for coming this week. OneControlPort.com is the website. And uh, I hope you have a great week. Bye.